Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. This is from the newsroom, the uh, semi-occasional podcast from the Holland Sentinel. I am editor Sarah Leach, and today I am joined by our politics reporter, Arpan Lobo. Hello, Arpan. Hi, Sarah. Um, So you've uh, been busy trying to keep track of all of the news that's been coming out of something that's a little far afield for for us um, in Holland, but it actually falls under the the purview of the Ionia Sentinel standard, which we also manage from the from the Sentinel newsroom. Um, it is the third congressional district uh, representative, U.S. Rep. Justin Amash. Yes, he's kept me pretty busy. Well, not not <laughs> just him. Kind of been but, monopolizing your yeah. time, yeah, and all of the all of the ramifications from what he's been doing and saying. So. Um, why don't we recap for some of our listeners just where this started and why he has suddenly become such um, a, a national media darling right now? Well, Justin Amash has always been in the news uh, since the start of his congressional career. He was part of the Tea Party wave, and he's really one of the last uh, Tea Party upstarts still remaining in Congress. But in May, following the release of the uh, report by special counsel Bob Mueller, on uh, Russian meddling into the pre- the campaign of President Trump, uh, Amash took some time. He read the entire report. Um, 400 I, pages. 449 right? pages. Something Justin Amash and I have in common. So, <laughs> um, but he read the entire report. And then it wasn't immediate, but after some time, after reading the report, he published a lengthy tweet thread um, basically calling for President Trump's impeachment um, that was in May. Uh, it's July now, and he's still the only uh, congressional Republican uh, to call for Trump's impeachment. And uh, when that happened, it uh, kind of set off a chain reaction within his own district. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't, I don't know if he saw this coming. Uh, it's hard to say, but things have certainly picked up. Yeah, I feel like some of it could have been anticipated because he knew that he had to be taking a risk by basically bucking his own party. Right, right, and 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 Amash, he's kind of garnered this reputation from, uh, from Republicans further to the right as being this guy that votes with Democrats all the time because mm-hmm. because he came out and he criticized the president. It's n- not true. It's actually pretty far from the truth. Amash was a part of the Tea Party wave. He has one of the most conservative voting records in Congress, but because Amash has always kind of uh, carried himself as a constitutional. Uh, congressman, he decided to kind of come forward and uh, put his thoughts on there on why he thought uh, President Trump should be uh, impeached. And he actually co-founded the Freedom Caucus that is within Congress. Yes. And um, had been um, either chair or co-chair up to a couple of weeks ago when he decided to actually withdraw from that group, to resign from that group, because 
in his words, um, it, he did not want to be a distraction anymore to the other members. But I think that is it your your read that he was also kind of frustrated with the fact that that group wasn't being as vocal that he that he felt that they weren't being as true to the values that they had established years ago. Well, for 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 Amash, it's it's always been uh, kind of he's he's very by by the book in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, and um, he he left that party or that that caucus because he. Um, compared to the other ones, uh, the other members of that caucus, he is uh, definitely the only one that would even entertain the thought of impeaching a Republican president, mm-hmm. no matter what the circumstance or no matter who it was. Right. And so after that happened, it was only a matter of time before right. he was uh, removed. So now he is basically taking this grandstand and a lot of it, uh, the messaging that he's been putting out there saying, listen, I'm not really changing anything about myself, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And I would be consistent regardless of who is in the white house. Uh, what's happened in his district now that he basically has made this stand. Well, uh, Michigan's third district runs from, uh, from includes cities like battle Creek, Grand Rapids is the, is the seat of the district. It also covers Ionia mm-hmm. uh, closer to the Lansing area. Um, so it's, I believe it's all of Ionia County, right? Which is why we're interest so, interested so much in it. Right, right. Um, following Amash's actions, uh, the first it, it sparked a kind of wave of challengers. Um, it's not unsurprising that there are multiple Democrats vying for the chance to take on Amash. What is surprising, though, is that there has been a wave of Republican candidates that have declared a campaign and that are planning to primary. Uh, for the chance to run for the seat next year. How many, uh, as of right now, I know that the filing deadline is sometime in April, so there could be more after this this gets posted, but oh, how many candidates do we have right now running for this this seat? So including Justin Amash, or we'll, we'll keep Amash separate because Amash has uh, formally left the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He's now an independent. Right. So there's one independent. And in the Republican Party, there are five candidates, uh, which is pretty uncommon. Wow. There hasn't been a Republican primary in the district since 2014, and Amash won that handily. Uh, but there are five candidates on the Republican side of thing, things. And so far, uh, three Democrats have announced a campaign. Wow. So that's um, five plus three plus one. So nine wow. total. Okay. Um, and we should probably mention that Amash is in his fifth term in that seat. So he is the incumbent, uh, longtime incumbent who's right. running for reelection. There's been some chatter though, also about, uh, I know that national media has asked him repeatedly because of the fact that he's uh, willing to be so vocal in his criticism of president Trump. Is he actually eyeing a shot at re- challenging Trump either for the Republican nomination for the white house or could he potentially run for an independent given the fact that he has now left the republican party what do you think about all of that chatter well if amash were to run i don't think he would go to go for a primary i i think he understands that his chances in a primary against uh, the president are 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 slim to none Mm -hmm. but however if he were to run as a libertarian third party candidate then he could really uh at least he would at least damage the uh, the chances for uh, Trump mm-hmm. in the sense that he is a very conservative, uh, you know, politician. So he would split some of that, you know, conservative vote with the president. And so in that case, it would set it it would set up nicely for one of the two dozen Democrats, whoever 
ends up coming out of that mess right to uh per- perhaps take the white house but wouldn't it also be a drain on the democratic challenger as well because for people who may be republican but just don't like trump they might actually find a, uh, an independent a libertarian candidate more appealing versus a de- like a full-fledged democrat that is, that is possible but i I don't know if Amash would take enough of the Democratic voters. And again, there, there's we're still well over a year away from an sure. election. And there are so many things that can change a race, as we've seen in the past time and again. So, But to me, it, it, if Amash were to run against as a third-party candidate against the president and a Democratic candidate, I think the Democratic candidate would be able to have enough base support, if, if they do their job and they can rally their base, to be able to kind of take advantage of that situation. Now, personally, I don't think that's going to happen. I would be very surprised if Amash announced a 2020 run for president. Yeah, because it's kind of late in the political it's, cycle to do it. It's pretty late in the game. Um, it's difficult as a third-party candidate because the Democratic race has taken so much of the national attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has said it himself that if he were going to run for president, he wouldn't do it like this. He wouldn't yeah. um, kind of enter the race as this kind of firebrand who's who's staunchly against the president. Um, he hasn't ruled it out, though. He hasn't formally announced that uh, he doesn't plan on running for president. But I would be very surprised if we saw that announcement anytime soon. Okay. So why do this now, then? Why do you think, um, if it wasn't leading up to something greater, which we've sort of speculated about, you know, what would be the purpose of doing this move now? Um, to withdraw uh, from from the Republican Party and uh, formally announce as an independent, um, he's also trying to run for re-election. What 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 do you think is motivating him to make some of these moves? I I think it has to do a lot with principle. Um, he's always been a staunch defender, in, in his words, of the Constitution. Um, he did an interview with Vox Media's Jane Coaston uh, just before the op-ed came out on the Fourth of July. Uh, in which he said that he was getting really fatigued with partisan politics. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about the he spoke about the echo chambers that each party has, right? How um, the two party system is failing, and then how it, how we can drown out the voice of the majority of the people. He's, he, uh, I believe, he said that the only people that you really hear are the minority that speak up, mm-hmm. but they don't. He he said that a lot a lot of times, Congress, uh, congressional officials, they believe that. Oh, because these people are being so loud about it. The rest of my district must feel this way. Mm-hmm. And he said that's not always the case. Right. So I don't know if this was necessarily leading to anything other than maybe he was taking a stand for his uh, political principles. It's just so rare that we see that. Usually um, things with politicians, decisions that they make, especially when they're done so openly and publicly, they tend to have some sort of a of a of a purpose or an intent that right, might be leading right. up to something. It's right. rare that we would see somebody that would just be like, well, I just don't feel comfortable anymore. And it might be. It, it might not be <laughs> I think leading. that's why all of us were surprised. It might not be leading to anything in 2020, right. but Amash hasn't even hit 40 yet. So yeah. it's not like he's, he's late in the game. He's that's still, true. He was one of the youngest um, elected to Congress right, when he was first elected. Right. Right. He, he probably views himself as having a very long political career. Mm-hmm. Um, what capacity that's in, I don't know. Um, he might not know, but he. I would be shocked if he wasn't looking at it at all. Yeah. When he uh, said what he said. Right. Well, okay. So, what about uh, the district that that he's in? Um, obviously, uh, the Grand Rapids, Ionia, Battle Creek area. What does this mean when you have so many candidates that are running for this seat? What are What are the voters supposed to do with all of these people that they have to now pay attention to? 
Well, these candidates, they all kind of uh, have different and similar characteristics to each of them. Several candidates have come out uh, directly against Amash and saying that I am pro-Trump. I'm going to be an ally for Trump. You know, I believe in what President Trump's doing. And then they things like border security, they're pro-wall, um, things like that. Other candidates have came out as moderate uh, conservatives or traditional conservatives, mm-hmm. rather. Yeah. Uh, issues like supporting small businesses and things like that, um, uh, traditional conservative values. They're, they're kind of basing their campaigns off that. So there's there's a bit of variety, but at the same time, uh, some of these candidates um, haven't differentiated themselves. So them working on each other, and some of them have gotten uh, a bit of a head start in terms of when they declared, but them working against each other, uh, it will be interesting to see how, they, how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so what is next? Uh, do you think that there's going to be more candidates that are going to declare between now and April, and it's just going to get more complicated? I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Um, April is it's a it's a long time away. Nine yeah. months is an eternity uh, in terms of elections. I, I I would be surprised if if we were set with this five. At the same time, maybe not. Uh, all maybe not all of these five candidates on the Republican side of things and the, the three on the Democrat side of things make it to next year. They might mm-hmm. look at the race and look at their standing um, and and decide that it's not worth pursuing any longer. Right. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, with so many candidates that are in play, like how is this going to benefit or hurt Amash in his reelection chances. And so what do you, what do you think about all of those Republicans running? Because I I think that I told you that in my opinion, I think that they're going to focus on one another, which will actually benefit Amash in in, at least for the next several months. Right, right. Well, any, anytime you, you primary against your party, when your party holds the seat, you're obviously running against that person. But uh, just looking at these candidates, you have, it's interesting because you have Two, probably three candidates that are come out and say they have, are staunch defenders of the president and they're going to be allies for him in Congress. Um, Jim Lauer has been the most outspoken. He uh, declared his run immediately after uh, Amash's initial Twitter thread on mm. impeachment. Mm-hmm. Tom Norton is another candidate uh, with a lower profile. It hasn't pulled as well, but he's another candidate who is uh, – in his words, pro wall mm-hmm. and uh, pro pro Second Amendment rights, as most Republican uh, candidates are, and then most recently, just yesterday, um, uh, uh, Joel Langloy, the owner of the Deltaplex Arena in Grand Rapids, where President Trump has actually campaigned multiple times, announced his run for Congress with the slogan. This might be familiar, but his slogan is make Congress great again. <laughs> and uh, if, if you saw the photo on the Ionia Sentinel Standard website, you could see the uh, red banner with white lettering. So mm-hmm. a little familiar playing off that role. But um, the three of those uh, candidates, they are going to have to do something to differentiate themselves or separate themselves um, to say, hey, I'm not just someone that's going to support Trump. Um and that's that's not that can't be their only right. uh, qualities. Right. It might work for some, but it's difficult to say if that'll work for an entire district. Um, Jim Lauer's been in the state uh, House of Representatives since 2016, and he has a record of pushing legislation. Uh, he's very he was 
He's a uh, he's younger than Amash, so mm-hmm. he has that kind of youth, youthful reverence. enthusiasm. You're right, right. Uh, Tom, Tom Norton has kind of built his campaign about around being a veteran, and he has held office in city governments mm-hmm. before. And then um, Joel, Joel Langloy has said it himself. Doesn't have any experience in politics, but then again, neither did President Trump. Right, and right. so he believes that uh, he, in the same kind of populist movement as the president, he wants to be a voice for the people of the third district. The other two candidates, uh, Lynn Affendoulis, she's also in the state uh, house. She represents uh, Grand Rapids Charter Township and the surrounding uh, areas outside of Grand Rapids. She's been in the House since 2018, so that, she hasn't even been okay. in the House a full year before okay, a freshman. looking to move up. Um, and then uh, P- Peter Meyer, who is a grandson of uh, the Meyer founder. Frederick Meyer. Frederick Meyer. And he um, announced his campaign uh, right around the 4th of July holiday. And he does, doesn't have much uh, political experience either, but he definitely has a financial backing if, if it more come to that, even though he doesn't have an affiliation with the company currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a veteran, uh, toured in Afghanistan. And so he wants to, he's another traditional conservative, uh, kind of going for those values. He hasn't come out one way or the other about the president. Okay. What about the democratic challengers? Who are, what, uh, what are they saying? So the, the earliest, uh, Democrat to declare was, uh, Doug Booth. He's a young, uh, healthcare professional from the Grand Rapids area. And he is, kind of centered his campaign around uh, being the kind of antithesis to Amash. He said Amash hasn't gotten a lot of, a lot done in his time in Congress. Uh, also, you have uh, Nick Colvin, uh, who is a uh, an attorney based out of Lansing in Detroit, focused on economic development. Mm. He has experience working for uh, President Obama when he was a senator. Also, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, when she was in uh, – when uh, – the Obama presidency was taking place and experience working under uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Mm. So he has a legal background and mm-hmm. so does Hillary Shulton, the latest um, Democrat to announce. She too has experience under the Obama administration and she's kind of uh, basing her campaign as being a advocate for um, people, uh, kind of the underrepresented community. She's currently an attorney for the Michigan Immigrant Rights Center. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that that will be uh, a part of her campaign, immigration reform. Okay. Yep. That's a popular topic right now. Um, So with all of these people that have declared, I think that one, an outsider not really knowing much about the race just would see the numbers and say, well, this, this district might be particularly vulnerable for the incumbent because so many people have sensed that and that's why they're they're trying to take a risk to run for the seat. Do you agree that Amash actually is threatened by all of these challengers or do you think that he actually has a solid chance of retaining his seat? I think there are risks and positives for both sides with the fact that he's not running as a Republican anymore, mm-hmm. that he will be an independent right. and that there will be three names on the ballot. Right. Regardless of, of who they are. Right. right. Yeah. We know, I, we know who the independent will be, but yeah. That, that could open things up. A Democrat hasn't held the seat since the seventies. And even then it was one term and they were out. Hmm. So it would be, it would be surprising if a Democrat were to win, but in terms of a Republican running against Amash, um, who would run as an independent, you have to imagine that vote would be split. 
at a May Town Hall in Grand Rapids, it was very evident to see that the people there were definitely not in unison. There were many people applauding Amash for what they called courage in, mm. in standing up mm. to the president. But there were also people who were just as passionate in anger about why Amash isn't defending the president. And for people that have voted for Amash for a while, um, as kind of this conservative, um, you know, representative for for West Michigan, it, it, they feel almost betrayed by it. Mm. So there's definitely vulnerability there. Um, at the same time, Amash definitely has a name value. People across the country are, are speaking uh, about him. Right. So he always will always have that advantage. So any predictions in terms of uh, how this is going to all play out? I know that anything could change in five minutes from now, but what do you think right now? Right now, if, if, um, if you were to give me Amash against any of the three Democrats or any of the five Republicans, I would lean Amash in a re-election. Okay. Um, like you said, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right, right. Amash is in the news cycle now, but in November 2018, or t- 2020, excuse me, might not be. It might right. just be your routine uh, re-election campaign. So it's interesting to see. I definitely think that he needs to take the Republican challengers seriously. They have all taken their campaigns very seriously and are um, determined to kind of take this seat and put a more traditional Republican figure uh, in the House. Okay, we'll see how it all plays out. Any final thoughts? I think it'll be, it, it's it's definitely one to keep an eye on. And um, it's exciting. It I is, mean, I haven't seen this much uh, excitement surrounding um, a, a candidate race, because you almost always, especially when you're dealing with an incumbent, it's usually pretty boring. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Amash has won re-election, um, Every single time by at least 10 points. Yeah. And so it's been very, very comfortable, but he's never been under the microscope like he is now. So it'll be interesting to see. I definitely think that a few more candidates will probably toss their names in the ring. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I I think um, with the with the cycle of last fall where we saw um, a fairly serious uh, challenge by Rob Davidson against um, Heisinger. Uh, he did not win. I mean, he lost by, um, I think it was seven points or eight points, but that was probably the best performance that a Democrat has, has had in that kind of a race, um, probably ever for this area. Um, so do you think that this is like a, a kind of like a changing of the tide, uh, where we're going to see more competitive races, even involving incumbents? I think so, especially with large districts like this, where you have Grand Rapids, is, is the second largest city in Michigan, and its demographics are changing every day. Um, so the, the kind of traditional conservative uh, support will always be there. But at the same time, changing demographics as uh, millennials and Gen Z are the biggest voting populations mm-hmm. now, um, combining them, of course. Um, so the younger vote might, you know, might not just follow suit with what previous votes have had. So it'll it'll definitely be something to to keep an eye on. Okay. And with that, um, this is uh, from the newsroom, and we'll see you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.